Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, we talk about the secrets of success, and today is an individual that has done an amazing job in the marketing space in helping people to get their message and their branding out there. But we're going to hear his journey and his story and his success principles in what really drove him to get or equipped him to get to that level. And so you don't want to miss this show. Now, one of the things I just wanted to briefly talk about before we get into the show with Tom, which is amazing, is just my encouragement. One of the things that CRG does better than anybody else is help you and individuals around you get clear about who they are, what their purpose is, what their direction. We are masters at helping you uh, create or establish self-awareness so that then you can go into self-mastery and then you can live an intentional life. So if you haven't completed one of our online tools, or maybe you have, there are 10 assessments that are there to be able to take you to the next level. So please do that. Go to the site, crgleader.com. Consider completing the personal style indicator or the values. I just came from a conference where I had 100 people in a room, and they said this was the best session that they had been to in the entire conference, where we get people to be clear about what is most important in their life so that they can make intentional and easy decisions. The other thing, this is just a new announcement. CRG has now launched a brand new e-course called Wire More Like Me, which is a five over five hours of video of me teaching you personally the power of the personal style indicator, why it's different, how it's different than DISC or Myers-Briggs, but also how you can transform your life and being an influencer, understanding yourself, being more intentional in your career side, building relationships with people that are different than you. Uh, we spent over a year in development of this. So hopefully that is something that you consider and you can go to the CRG site and look for Why Aren't You More Like Me, the e-course, and be able to, if you have any questions, you can just email at info at crgleader.com and we'll respond to that. Thank you very much for being an SOS listener. Here's today's show with Tom. Welcome, Tom Antion, to the show. Tom? Thanks, Ken. Hey, it's good uh, talking to you. It's been a while. It's been a while. Well, we were kind of going back, and we think it was like 15 or 18 years ago that we met at a Mark Victor Hansen uh, conference. And it's interesting, those of us that are in this profession, that we uh, go around and then come around and connect with one another and support one another. Now, Tom, before I forget, you actually have your own podcast as well. What's it called? It's called uh, Screw the Commute, uh, based on the fact that I've never had a job outside of a little bit in high school and a little bit in college. So uh, you could almost live two or three lives if you're not commuting to work, making everybody else rich. <laughs> well, absolutely. Now, Tom, how long have you now been in sort of this professional speaking? You've done several thousand presentations, paid presentations as a presenter and really around marketing and branding and the expertise of getting yourself out there. So how long have you been in the profession? Well, in this profession, uh, since about 1988, I was a professional comic for about six years. 
And then um, I thought, yeah, there's something bigger out there. And then I got into the professional speaking business in 91. It was kind of an overlap there. I was still doing the comic performances and getting started in speaking. And I, I don't know if you know Dottie Walters, yes. but she was like the grandmother of professional speaking. She got me started in 91. And uh, it was so serendipitous, I mean, how this happened. I mean, I'm getting goose pimples every time I think about it. Uh, um, she wrote the book Speaking Grow Rich. And at the time, I was doing all these comic performances, and I was uh, thinking, you know, there's something bigger out there for me. I don't know what it is, a TV show or something. This, uh, but uh, So I'm in Crown Books in Greenbelt, Maryland, and the, it's in the middle of the day, because, of course, I don't work for us. <laughs> I can be in there in the middle of the day. And there's a bunch of boxes and crap in the middle of the aisle, and this lady goes to push a baby carriage by, and I got out of her way and leaned back, and I hit my head on a book. It was Speak and Grow Rich. Well, get out of here. I, I'm, I'm telling you, there's not much woo-woo about me, but this story is woo-woo. Uh, so I took it. I got a uh, consultation with her. I went out to see her. She started me in the speaking business in 1991. But the even more woo-woo part is if you know her backstory, she was one of the first women teaching selling and stuff to women. But she was going door-to-door. -door. I'm, I'm getting goose pimples again pushing a baby stroller selling advertising <laughs> so wow. this is definitely but that's how it got started uh in the uh, transitioning from the comic world to the uh, professional speaking world well we started about the same time i started 1989 and i think my first conference was 1990 in dallas texas mm -hmm. for nsa and so, man, small world as we link back to it. So, Tom, you know, thanks again for being on the show. But I want to scroll back just a little bit. You know, I have some of your bio and some of the things that people don't know about you. But you, you owned apartment buildings before you graduated from university or college? How, yeah. How did that happen? Yeah, starting with nothing, you know, I was uh, – uh, I'm a reader. I'm a, a learner. My dad taught me, if you want to figure something out, read about it, learn it, see what everybody else has done. And this was long before No Money Down and all these books that came out. But there was a book, I think his name was William Nickerson, had a book called How to Turn $1,000 into a $1 Million Dollars in Real Estate, something like that. So I sat down and read the book. And, uh, you know, I'm like a sophomore, I think. And so I saved up all the uh, money I made in odd jobs and things. And uh, just to, uh, uh, but I didn't use it as a down payment. I made no money down deals where I found people that would hold the second mortgage for me. And uh, and I, I got the first mortgage from a bank, uh, kind of with their blessing, basically. These are old lawyers in town that just wanted to get out of the apartment rental business. And so they held the second mortgage. I got the first mortgage. And so by the time I got done with this, I owned five apartment buildings and a hotel before I graduated. Well, <laughs> so, now, did you keep those or did you sell them, flip I them? I kept them for, for a good while. Uh, but the, um, the one of the stories I wanted to tell you about was uh, that has regard as for success is, is give before you get. And hmm. um, the hotel, the reason it came about is that uh, I was charging so more rent to the other people than I was paying myself. So I rented, <laughs> I was renting out my apartments. But um, my landlord, would, every time he would come over to, to fix something on the house I was renting, I'd say, hey, Frank, uh, you know, 
I'll help you with this. You teach me what you're doing, right? So I can learn, you know, putting gutters on and all the stuff he was doing. So at the end of the semester, he comes over and he says, hey, Tom, I want to talk to you. And I'm thinking, oh, oh what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. He says, in 25 years that I've been renting apartments, and this was in Morgantown, West Virginia, home of West By God, Virginia University. you got to say By God in there. <laughs> okay. So um, he said, in 25 years renting uh, apartments to students, not once ever has somebody asked to help me, let alone asked to learn something. He said, you're the only one in 25 years. Mm-hmm. And he said, I, I want to retire and go to Florida. I own a hotel in a city about 20 miles from here. I want you to have it. He says, I'll take back whatever second mortgage is needed to, to close the deal, but you just have to come up with the, uh, the first mortgage. And I'm like, wow. You know, so, uh, and then, uh, so the give before you get is the, was the break that I got there. But the next success principle was consistency and, and persistency. I went to 50 lending institutions that poo-pooed me away as some kid with big ideas. And uh, I wouldn't quit. I, I kept saying, don't quit, don't quit. I hear my dad talking to me, don't quit. Mm. And so I got the first mortgage. He took back the second mortgage. I ran it for six years. One day a week, I went down to visit it with the managers and everything, pick up the rent checks and everything, and um, uh, sold it out. Made I think overall I made about $60,000 a year and sold it uh, afterwards. I cleared about uh, almost $400,000. I'm just... 22 years old. (laughs) Wow. Wow. But so the two big things there were give before you get, because you'll stand out above the crowd nowadays, especially Mm. and uh, give before you get and be persistent. Don't quit. Uh, People quit too early. That's a, our society is getting much weaker. And I'm, I'm also, uh, I have a a TV show in development in Hollywood called scam brigade because I was so sick of seeing these people rip people off at seminars Mm. and for big money. And so I started this TV show and, um, of course, they said, don't quit your day job. <laughs> you know? so, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, uh, 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 there's a, a, a person on my team that's a Harvard psychiatrist. I have this team of, like, psychologists and psychiatrists and detectives and uh, FBI guys and all this. And uh, the psychologist said, you know, Tom, people are weak nowadays. I said, why don't these people go after the ones that robbed them? He says, people are becoming weaker and weaker in generations. Uh, parents aren't putting pressure on the kids. They're giving them everything, and, and they're not as strong. So that really worries me. And, uh, and for those listening, you can just be a little bit better than the crowd and be so far ahead in the folks mm. of older people like me who appreciate that, that you're, you're, you're persistent, you show up on time. Time. You're, you know, we say you're, if, you're, if you're not early, you're late. <laughs> so, so all these things that used to be valued don't seem to be valued as much anymore. So if you do them, you will stand far above your competitors. I mm. uh, couldn't agree more, Tom, as far as that situation and acknowledging that. And, and you know, now, of course, they're teaching this whole, <clears throat> excuse me, this whole concept of resilience. And Angela Duckworth's work, right, on grit well, um, we had to have it. I mean, if you didn't have yeah, it. Yeah, you didn't have a choice. Yeah. Nobody was uh, coddled back then. Now, that's not to stay in judgment. I have two kids that are 23 and 22, and they're very persistent individuals, but they were sort of taught that as well. Now, I want to scroll back, and I know that you have 
some principles that your dad had taught you that you were honored enough at his funeral to be able to kind of share and you want to share with the audience today. But I want to scroll back before that is where did Tom get the courage to go in, into these apartment buildings as a college student? I mean, this is the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Even then, the average college student wouldn't have the chutzpah to do that. So where did you well, get that? What, what yeah, happened? I, I feel very blessed in that uh, my dad came from uh, Syria uh, as a three-year-old in the steerage section of a dung-filled cattle boat. And so he came into uh, Pittsburgh. The, the whole uh, uh, clan moved into Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where uh, my dad had to be entrepreneurial just to eat. I mean, you know, so a nickel would buy a whole bag of groceries in those days. But he had a stepfather that would beat him if he didn't uh, cut the wood right for the stove and uh, things like that. So he was out hustling all the time. And he was shining shoes, and he actually bought, the, you know, we're all selling information products now. Well, he he was shining shoes to buy electrical engineering courses from the American school back in the, you know, that started in the mm-hmm. 1800s. He's like eight years old, shining shoes, and people are making fun of him that he's going to be an electrician someday. <laughs> so so uh, he ended up putting, the, uh, had his own electrical contracting firm in Carnegie, Pennsylvania at 13 years old. No he way. He put the wow. first electric light bulb in Carnegie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so, so he uh he uh you know he, he you know he was forced into you had to do it in those days you you know you would just starve to death so so uh then uh, he grew up and uh, and uh, ended up he was in the wire in these massive spaghetti factories for the war effort and so he, he was uh, always entrepreneurial and uh you know i just uh, absorbed it from him uh in in that hey you know you got to keep trying and uh, if you fail that's just learning something don't worry about it keep going keep going keep going and uh that's i think that's where i, I got well, i mean i know i got it. i mean he's sitting right here talking to you basically <laughs> all right mm-hmm. and he's been gone 18 years but uh he's ingrained in me since i was a little kid and i understand some people didn't have that kind of uh, good upbringing so um it's and i, and I had the, my ups and downs and the, you know my mother wasn't quite <laughs> the same as my dad so i'm still working on stuff to overcome that she kind of put in my head but you have to do it you have to say okay they're long gone i can't just be blaming them for everything i've mm-hmm. got to stand up and fix whatever i think uh, needs fixed in my life so but it's uh, definitely from him and his entrepreneurial spirit cool well again what you're talking about is take responsibility take action move on it it seems like common sense but really a lot of times not common practice this whole concept of blaming other people is is out there and everybody's offended i'm not really politically correct meaning you know sure we need to honor other individuals but get over yourself uh, you know suck it exactly uh, and and I'm so afraid for the younger generation. Uh, I, I have a um, the dubious distinction of having uh, uh, made a tennis video. I'm the largest person that ever created and starred in a tennis training video. <laughs> It's called it's called Fatso Tennis, so that us old farts can uh, can uh, run the younger people off the court. And so I was playing a 14 year old. I'm 55 years old, an old fat fart, and uh, this, I'm, I'm running him off the court. And he's on the tennis team. He threw his racket down, 
ran off the court. His mother's chasing him. Oh, it's okay, Joey. Uh, if I'd have done that when I was a kid, I'd have been running laps till I was 40 years old. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, all this uh, trophy stuff for, for poor, or just for showing up, I just don't get it. I don't know how these people think that that's going to incentivize people to really excel in the world. I, I don't get it. Do you? No, I don't. And so I would suspect that those people who are le- listening to Secrets of Success don't fit into that category because they want to learn, they want to grow. Exactly. And so we do appreciate and pass it all on to their you. kids. Exactly. We do appreciate everybody who is listening to this segment right now. And that we're not trying to sit in judgment. We're observing and saying, hey, these are these are really character traits that. Uh, could lead to some real trouble for the individuals who don't have resilience. Uh, narcissism is actually, my wife works in a university, Tom, and oh narcissism is 10% of the college population actually has diagnostic or diagnosed with narcissism. So when you think about it's all about me, no wonder uh, they, they are challenged to go to the next level because they've never really had to kind of suck it up. And yes, yeah, you're I right, to be persistent to go forward. I well, have Go ahead. Well, when I had a nightclub, uh, and it's a pizza shop during the weekends and stuff, and uh, there was two kids came from the big city, and they're sitting in there complaining to each other that, and this is in the 80s, their mother only gave them $160 for a pair of jeans. <laughs> like, are you crazy? I could have bought a wardrobe for the rest of my life at <laughs> those days. For That's right. Yeah, you talk about pampered. Now, I want to get into this, Tom, where you started to do uh, were you doing stand-up for comedy? Not exactly. Um, uh, prior, you know, when I got the nightclub business, and that was a dangerous business. I was in gunfights, knife fights, uh, bikers trying to kill me, and I got out of that business. And I thought, you know what? Whatever I get into now is going to be fun for me and fun for everybody else. So I was watching Candid Camera. And I thought, you know what, everybody loves this, but you can't really participate unless you happen to live in California and get caught by the camera. Mm-hmm. So I invented a company called Prank Masters. We custom design practical jokes. And I moved to Washington, D.C. I knew I had to have a big city for this. And we did 4,000 custom design practical jokes. This is long before Punked or Jackass or any of those shows were on. And it was called Prank Masters, and it ran from about 1988 till uh, 91 when I got in the speaking industry. And and, uh, uh, I was writing custom humor every day. I did about 1,000 of the performances, but we had all kinds of characters. We had, uh, I had a guy that's 450 pounds that did what we called a moonogram. (laughs) <laughs> and the message was actually delivered on his, his rear end. Oh, and uh, just crazy stuff like that. And I ended up, um, uh, the Washington Times did a feature on me, and then the Washington Post picked it up, and then Associated Press picked it up, and it went worldwide. I was doing you know interviews on the Tokyo Today show. <laughs> I mean, all kinds of stuff. So, uh, and that's that was at its peak. It was, you know, we had I had thirty five people working for me in that crazy business, and um, that's when I was like, you know, trolling for something bigger for me, better, you know, better as I was doing all this humor stuff. Now, how did the media get a hold of this or find out about it? Did you let them know? Were you promoting? No, I did. I wasn't even that good at publicity. I mean, I kind of was because I had the nightclub, but I really wasn't thinking in those terms. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, the the way I uh, happened, I did an over the hill preacher routine 
where at a flea market I found these um, fiberglass caskets for 50 bucks a piece. They're called pauper's caskets. If you can't afford a funeral, they would show you in this and then I guess dump you in the hole and then use them over again. I don't know. But uh, so I thought this is perfect for like when you turn 30, 40, or 50 because the over the hill craze, you know. So I started this routine and I'm dressed like a preacher and I was, <laughs> I had these caskets on this little travel trailer behind a Nissan Sentra. On, this is in D.C. on the Beltway, the second bu- busiest road on earth. And, uh, <laughs> and I had these little flags made up, said Tom's Discount Funerals. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just crazy, bizarre. So the word got around. Somebody uh, at a party or something saw me and told their friend, the reporter, who contacted me, and that was how it, it tipped off. It was basically just doing my job, which was a crazy job, and then people noticed. And that's one of my success principles is be really good, even if it's something crazy like that. I mean, it did 4,000 jobs, no complaints. We were on time. We took care of people and, and all that, mm-hmm. and people noticed. And that's how my whole career has developed by trying to be excellent at what I'm doing and then people will notice and then you can either teach them how to do it or they'll help you move to the next level. Mm. Well, that's amazing. Well, thank you, Tom, for, for that. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just going to have this thing in my mind now with this Sentra. I can't get it out of my the head. Nissan so Sentra kind of, on the yeah, beltway kind of carrying a, a thing, a discount funeral on the back. <laughs> oh, man, man. Yeah. So here you are. You have this transition. You have this. You're really basically a serial entrepreneur. What was what was really this attraction around this speaking? Where did that come from? Well, you, you know, uh, book, but where did I that was come doing from? these jobs, and I was making maybe a hundred dollars a job. Okay, and doing every kind of uh, holiday in basement or somebody's home or some community center or wherever they're having a party. All right. And I'm thinking, man, there's got to be something bigger here that's more lucrative with the skill set that I have, which was a heavy business. I had already been a lot of, a lot of business. I ran a nightclub uh, and restaurant for six years, and I uh, you know, had the apartment rental business and ran a hotel. So I had a lot of business experience, but I was also really hysterically funny to the professional level. So I thought, well, there must be something out there. And that's when I ran into the uh, speaking. And I thought, this is perfect because, you know, depending on Hollywood, you know, you you could be tripping over your beard before they're ever going to call me back about my show. You know? mm. So hopefully that works out. But at the time, this was something I could control. I could create a speaking business where I could really entertain people yet teach them and, and help them in their business endeavors. So uh, I thought this was just perfect for me because of my skill set. Mm. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you for that. Now, Tom, you were we were talking off air before we got into doing the show about your privilege to talk about success principles. And, you know, you've done a lot of success or had a lot of success, pardon me, especially around the marketing, but also around sales. And, of course, as a past sales trainer myself, I get how important that is. And everybody listening to the show, if if everybody in the planet, on the planet, needs sales skills if you're going to influence other individuals. So as part of that, what are some of the principles that you would like to share with the audience today that can help them go to the next level? What are some of the things? So we talked about showing up and being on time and being engaged, but what are some of the other ones that really have been important to your success throughout life? 
Well, uh, they all boil back to the eulogy I did for my dad, uh, which it just poured out of me at the time. It wasn't like I went for weeks to work on this. It just poured out of me of the things that I learned from him. And I encourage people to do this about their parents. Maybe before they die it might be a better idea. But uh, So I, I wrote the, the, the 10 leadership principles, and we probably won't have time for them all today. But, but one of the first ones is uh, I coined it, Build It Strong. And the, uh, it came from the fact that my dad did everything to the point where it would live forever, pretty much, not something that's throw away next week. Mm. And I wouldn't be talking to you today, Ken, if he hadn't had that attitude, because when I was 16 years old, I'm laying on my living room floor. We lived <clears throat> right off of <clears throat> excuse me, National Route 40 in western Pennsylvania, and I'm watching What's My Lines late at night, and I hear what, I, what appears to be a, a, an airplane crashing. And then a few seconds later, my living room explodes around me. The front window gets blown out. The front door gets blown out. There's plaster and lamps flying everywhere. And I wipe myself off, turn the outside lights on, go out, and there's a guy laying on the ground, his, his ankles all busted up, and he's screaming, get my friend, get my friend. And I look in this, there's a car sticking in the edge of my, in the corner of my house, and the, the passenger, there's blood everywhere. Now, this is before they invented AIDS, I guess. So, so I just, uh, his scalp is pulled back, and he had hit the windshield, and I'm trying to help him out. The, the crazy part, of, you know, there's always something crazy going on in my life. Uh, so... It seems to be. I, yeah, I had just taken a first aid class in high school, 16 years old, right? And so I'm thinking, okay, breathing, bleeding, bo broken bones. Uh, what do I do? What do I do? This guy's bleeding from the head. So, uh, okay, bleeding. Okay, direct pressure, indirect pressure. It's all going through my mind in a few seconds. And somehow <laughs> in my 16-year-old mind, I thought indirect pressure was the 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 method to stop the bleeding from this guy's forehead. So I grabbed him around the neck and started squeezing his neck. <laughs> my my uh, brother probably. runs out of the house. Don't kill him. He didn't mean to hit the house. <laughs> so he turned out to be okay. But the thing is, is my dad uh, scrounged all these four-by-four four oak posts that used to be on the telephone poles in the old days, and mm -hmm. they were throwing them away when they you know, got rid of those glass insulators and all that stuff. They just threw them away. So my dad scarfed them all up, and he tripled them up. So three four-by-four full-size oak four-by-fours in the corner of our house. And I asked him, well, why'd you do that, Dad? Well, a car might run off the road someday, and I want to protect my family. You know, so and it, the guy was doing 100 miles an hour when he left the road, and uh, I would have been dead easily on any kind of regular built house. So, so build it strong. Now, the way I turn that into today's terms is that to be proud of your work and to make sure it's long-lasting and solid, where too many people just you know slop stuff together, put it out there. We see it all in the internet marketing world all the time. They just slop anything together. They're they're uh, you know, can't make their car payment, living in a rundown apartment, telling you how to get rich. You know, and so they just slop anything together to to get your money. So uh, don't do that because your reputation will never build into something good. It'll only mm -hmm. 
built into something bad, or you're always finding the next sucker that doesn't know you yet. No, who wants to live like that? I mean, I don't. So, um, so build it strong would be the first leadership principle. So as a second uh, one, what was, what's the next one sort of on your list? Well, uh, it's it's a spinoff of that. It's called "Don't Take Shortcuts." So I remember as a as a young child, uh, maybe nine, ten years old, <clears throat> my dad was an electrician by trade, and I'm watching him wire a box, and and he's um, he's running the wires up beautifully and making a nice ninety degree turn and running them into the box and stapling them all flat perfect along this piece of wood and i said dad why don't you just save some wire and run them crossways and he looked at me like i will electrocute you if you ever do something that's not professional he said when somebody looks at this job years from now they'll know a professional did it and didn't take shortcuts, and if anything goes wrong, they'll be able to troubleshoot it right. So don't you ever, I mean, he was getting in my face, don't you ever take shortcuts when it comes to your profession and what you do. And I'll tell you what, I do, that's, uh, you know, I'm 63 years old right now, and I, <laughs> that's indelibly etched in my mind. And, and it's paid off because it literally, and I, I don't mean to be arrogant about this, I'm just trying to impart some principles that work. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, <clears throat> they're almost universal in that I almost don't have to write a sales letter anymore because if I put something out with my name on it for this for 24 years on the internet marketing arena, people know, hey, it's going to be more than I ever thought for that amount of money. So that's the kind of reputation you want to get, and then things keep getting easier and easier for you because uh, people spread the word. They're so uh, thrilled of how great you were, and you took care of them, and all this stuff. So if you take shortcuts, and then, and then they're they're left mm-hmm. wondering, why did I give this guy money? This is kind of crappy, and they're never going to refer you. They're never going to buy anything else. So um, don't take shortcuts would be the, the next one. Okay, great. Well, thank you. So, and I would agree with that, where lots of times people really compromise quality for speed, and, and they're not really thinking about the person. In the end, it's your value set. Am I really there to serve you and to help you and to bring something of value? Or am I just there, as you said earlier, to take your money? Exactly. And uh, people pick up on that quickly and then they end up, they just have to find new people that never heard of them because, uh, but that's ridiculous. I mean, it's better to, it's so much easier, you you know sales, you know, to sell the same person than it is to go find a new person. Mm. So, so if you just treat them right and give them good quality, I mean, I've been, I have one product that's been selling for 24 years and I've got uh, loads of customers that have been buying stuff off me for in excess of 20 years. We did a webinar the other day, and I asked him, I said, hey, how, many, uh, how long have you been dealing with me? And there's all these things came in. People, I didn't even, you know, I couldn't believe it. I started looking back, and yeah, 20 years, 23 years, 22 years. So, so that's a way you can build, mm-hmm. uh, you know, real wealth and reputation, and you're not fighting with refunds and chargebacks and lawsuits and all that stuff. It just gets easier just by being good at the start and taking care of people. Mm. Well, thank you for that, Tom. So, what's what do you have next on your list? Well, uh, the next one, uh, leadership skill three that I did at his eulogy was don't waste things or people, and. Um, to this day, I mean, we grew up frugal. Now, we grew up with everything we needed, but we were frugal. I mean, to this day, I can't brush my teeth 
and let the water run. Because I hear my dad saying, don't waste water. We had 13 wells on our property. You know, don't waste this, that. And, and one time he, he would make us, he would get used lumber and make us take the nails out and pound them out and straighten them out and reuse them. Because it's wasteful to do this, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he grew up with nothing, not even any shoes. At three years old, walking the streets of Pittsburgh, you know, so, so he did not waste things. So um, that's the way I, I still live my life. I'm very frugal, but it's, you know, some comical things come of it. I got to tell you. So I, I go home to our little two-bit town, and um, I heard he made it big in D.C. And I drive in this big Mercedes sedan, and I'm, my mother wants to go to the thrift stores and the Salvation Army. Right, so I pull up in the in the Mercedes in front of the Salvation Army, and Mom's in there, and she's arguing with a lady that she wants this twenty five cent blouse reduced to fifteen cents because it had a stain on. It. And they're seeing this giant Mercedes sitting out front. So, so, uh, but it's, it pays off well. And uh, and too many people. One of my pet peeves about these people marketing gurus is to tell people to delegate stuff. I am so against that. Can just totally against that. Expl- explain that more, uh, Tom. Uh, why I will. Is that? I will, because most people delegate themselves right into the poorhouse, right? Uh, you know, they say, well, only do what you're good at. Well, what I say is, if what you're good at is making you broke, maybe you should rethink that a little bit and get some skills. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't believe the things that I do now that I don't have to do. I could just, you know, you know, snap my fingers and have one of the employees do it. But I do it because one of the things my dad taught me is self-reliance. You know, I'm not stuck on the weekend when something goes wrong with the website. All right, I'm not stuck all the time for anything, just about if something goes wrong at the house. I've learned how to fix things. Mm-hmm. I do this that. So I'm self-reliant. But uh, too many people put too much effort emphasis on delegation in the beginning when you don't have the resources to just pay uh, all this money out. And then if, if those people uh, those people can tell in two seconds, you don't know what you're doing. And so they can slack off and not, not give you the best service and you're paying a fortune for it. So you know, your business has a, a much greater chance of failing. So it's best to get the knowledge, invest in your own knowledge, and then when you're too busy to do stuff, then you delegate it. But uh, And there's some things you delegate because they're too technical and would take you forever for learn. I get that. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I, didn't, I, I got to 150,000 subscribers and 40,000 customers with one part-time temp person here. The only time I started hiring employees was when the accountant called me and says, Hey, Tom, you've got too much retained earnings. And I might say, well, well, what's that mean? He says, well, you're going to pay more taxes. And I'm like, you mean I didn't spend all this money on yachts and airplanes, and now I've got to pay more taxes? He said, yeah, that's how it works. So, so I said, well, heck with that. I'm going to start hiring people because I'd rather hire and give jobs and you know, give myself a break than to buy bombs with my taxes. You know, so mm-hmm. so, uh, so I, I say, yeah, delegate only when it makes sense, not just delegate everything and then sit there and wonder why you're broke. You know, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it's interesting, Tom. It's a balance. One of the things we teach here at CRG is to play to your strengths. Yet I agree with you, and also Brandon Bouchard talks about this too, is that does not negate our requirement to learn new skills. 
Exactly. And, That's and exactly so I, how I boil it down, yeah. I think about our space when we both started in this industry. Hey, people that are listening, there was no Internet in the 80s. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, sorry, shock. And when I was first uh, a speaker, I had a contract with Chrysler, and I actually was commuting from the West Coast to Detroit. There was no um, no internet. We couldn't work online like we are right now. Here's this idea of this podcast. While well, we had to learn the software, how does it work? Sometimes there's compatibility issues, such as we had prior to it. Yeah, but you still have to push through it. I can't say it's my most favorite thing, Tom, is to learn new software and new. Uh, new techniques as far as the, the programs, but I know that it's required to do it. Yeah, and you could have just sat back and said, oh, okay, I'll pay somebody 100 bucks to do it, and then you're still in the dark when they're you know, out having Christmas dinner and, and your things are falling apart. You're like, wow, you know, I don't, uh, that didn't have to happen. So I'm glad that, you, uh, that we're in alignment with that because, uh, yeah, delegation is a good, cute buzzword, but when it makes sense, not mm. just across the board. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is, what's next on your list there? Let's do two more, Tom. Okay. And then, then we can do some wrap up with some thoughts there for me. Okay. Well, uh, here's one that uh, parents could apply to their, uh, to their newborns almost. Uh, one of the things my dad did, remember he only went to the second grade. And uh, so one of them is study. Uh, so he only went formally to second grade of school. The rest is all self-taught, and he's one of the most brilliant guys I know. And, um, I mean, he knows physics. He knows everything. When he was retired at 73 years old, he sat down, and a lot of younger people won't even recognize this, but the World Book Encyclopedia, you know, the 26 volumes and all mm -hmm. that stuff and the, the extra volumes, he sat down and read the entire thing. <laughs> so he was a total you know, lifelong learner. And um, uh, so very, very smart, very savvy, uh, not necessarily educated. Uh, but he, t he told me when I was a baby, um, I do you remember uh, Johnny Cash? Of course. Yeah. All right. Do course. you remember uh, this? One of his songs was called A Boy Named Sue. Right. Now, that song was about an old drunk cowboy naming his uh, figure that he wouldn't be around to raise the boy. So he wanted to make the boy tough by giving him a, a girl name, and he'd have to fight and scrap to, to be tough, right? That was the premise of that song. Well, my dad was uh, 50 when he had me, and um, he think, figured he wasn't going to be around to raise me. So from the time I could crawl... He would put pillows in front of me and put my toys on the other side to teach me how to overcome obstacles. <laughs> and to this day, I'm unstoppable. Now, I won't uh, step on anybody or do anything fraudulent to get where I'm going, but if you tell me I can't do something, you better get out of the way as I blow by doing it. And, and that's another kind of sidebar here is when somebody tells you you can't do something, it has nothing to do with you. It means they can't do it. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to you. So um, that was what it was. You can overcome obstacles. You just have to keep being, back to my original thing, persistent and consistent, and you can find a way over, around, above, whatever. You can get mm -hmm. to the goal if it's worth it. So you can overcome obstacles is one, and study. And you'll, you'll be a brilliant person if you just study uh, rather than wait for somebody else to do it for you. Well, being a lifelong learner, all the research is there, Tom, to support 
support it. And there's so much new information, strategies, processes. If you're not plugged in, you're like going way behind. Yeah, and it's and it's it's your fingertips now. I mean, you know, it uh, you can do it when you're sitting waiting on a bus or you know flying somewhere. You can still be studying and improving yourself rather than mindlessly watching some of these dumb shows on TV. <laughs> of course, and then some of that is just social media. It just sucks. Uh, actually, this is a little sidebar for you because you were talking about your show and some information there, but there was a recent study that depression in teenagers and young adults less than 29 has gone up by 35%. And the reason being is that they're on social media all the time and they don't have, they don't have the communications and the friendships, mm -hmm. but they're not on social media learning things. They're just on social media for likes or to see the, the next sort of, they're, as Marshall Goldsmith would say, they're amusing themselves. Yeah, and so, it's easier for people to rag on you, not face-to-face, -to -face too, so they can uh, be susceptible to bullying and much easier and all that. So it's, uh, I can see that that's uh, another reason I'm worried about the younger generation. Well, and that's why we're doing podcasts, and hopefully somebody listens to the insights that you have there. Now, I want to just shift for a second, Tom, and say when you think about beyond what you've already shared, for the listeners – what are one or two nuggets that say that would encourage them that they can implement right after they listen to this show that will just take them to the next level? What would that be? I, I'm your friend. You're just, it's just one-on-one, -on -one and you're says, Ken, here's the advice. Here's what I'm going to leave you for a takeaway. Probably the main thing would be to use your throwaway time to your advantage and throw away time. I wrote a thousand and forty two page book that dominated the speaking industry for 10 years at layovers at airports and flying on airplanes and just times when I would have been just mindlessly doing nothing or being mad because the plane's late. I just immediately started writing in my book. Boom, boom, boom. So your throwaway time can be one of your most fantastic times that doesn't take away from the rest of your life, <clears throat> but moves you forward in your life. So that would be a, a, a major, major one. I, I, I was at McCarran Airport in uh, Las Vegas. In four hours, I wrote an e-book that's brought in $3.5 million dollars. Now, I could have sat there and watched CNN. I could have sat there and watched all the fancy lights and signs and everything and played the slot machines. <laughs> no, I, I wrote an e-book. So, so use your throwaway time is, the, uh, is something you, it doesn't take away from the rest of your life. It's, it's just something that's there already that's being wasted. And so, be intentional with it. Be optimizing. You, you knew in advance that you are going to do it versus if you don't have a plan, then nothing's going to happen. Yeah, so so get some ideas, and then uh, the other thing I have is is uh, you know I, I'm really worried about all the debt that's being created by colleges or bloating and uh, and they're they're faking grade point average, they're inflating grade point averages to make it look like they're doing better, and they're you know the, the kids are under trillions of dollars of debt. Um, uh, I really encourage people to get into the digital word, world and create intellectual property. And and that sounds like a fancy term, but I mean, st simple stuff like ebooks. Uh, my work philosophy is work get paid, 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 paid. Like that one product I created 24 years ago is still mm -hmm. selling today. So they can really create some um, 
security for themselves. It's like an insurance policy. I know when my mother kind of went south on me, I took three months off and came back and just had a fortune in my bank account because of this intellectual property that sells when I'm doing, you know, life gets in the way. Something Mm -hmm. else is going on. That stuff is still selling. So if they can get the mindset that uh, to create intellectual property, it can be an insurance policy, it can let them buy the things they want and 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 all that. So um, and, and it can be done in your throwaway time. So they kind of go hand in hand. And it's not as hard as that. A lot of people say, well, I can't write a book. Yes, you can. We both know people. Um, a guy that ran Author 101 is uh, dyslexic, and, uh, and he's written 14 books, most of them bestsellers. You know, so you can talk your way and have somebody type it up for you and edit it. You know, so this can be done nowadays easier than ever. And then you have Amazon Kindle now where, you know, you got 200 million buyers in the U.S. alone that can be exposed to your stuff. So uh, it's, it's really not hocus pocus, this, uh, this digital world that uh, these young mm. people could take advantage of e- e- way easier than you and I. Oh, absolutely. Now, uh, how Tom, how can they get a hold of you? What are the different sort of your remind us again of the podcast and your podcast site as well as your personal site if they want to get a hold of you? Yeah, and find it's out screw the commute dot uh, screw the com will lead you to everything. You can and that of course you can sign up on all the major places, iTunes and all that, and it has a resource page that leads you to all kinds of things. I have a lot of free resources and webinars, and so it's kind of a repository where just screw the commute com and look around and uh, you'll be able to get to me uh, I'm also Facebook uh, uh, my uh, Antion and Associates but uh, just go to screwthecommute.com and uh, you'll you'll have 60 episodes you can listen to and uh, resources and links to me in lots of different ways well, thanks, Tom. And I sure appreciate you taking your most uh, valuable commodity and sharing with it. And that's your time. Well, yeah, and I'm thrilled that uh, you agreed to come on my show. And I, I want to uh, uh, get your story out to the world. So, Well, thank uh, you. And it's, it's interesting. It is a privilege. And as we were talking earlier, podcast, and those of you that are listening, it's interesting that you now are, you can have the podcast in your car, when you're jogging, when you're walking. If you're in the airport, you're listening to these kinds of shows that take you to the next level versus something else. And not, nothing against music. I love music. But you can also learn and get some insight and be encouraged and be insightful. So, Tom, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure, Ken. Everybody that's listening, you've been listening to Tom Antion. Now, Tom has really rocked it in the marketing and the sales world, so I encourage that you would go to screwthecommute.com, find out more about what he is doing there. My encouragement to you is that you would take some of the things that he's talked about and apply it. I mean, show up, build it right, build it strong, and be there. And if you do it, you're going to be standing out in front of everybody else. We thank you, as always, for giving us the most important commodity you have, and that is your time. If you like what we're doing, share, pass it on, leave a positive comment in whatever platform you're listening. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.